you don't even want to label behavior as challenging because what tends to happen is we end up labeling the child as challenging. What you're talking about is really trying to understand where's that behavior coming from? What are they trying to express? What is the message I'm trying, you know, I need to be understanding here. Hi, everyone. So glad you're here. I'm your host, Mamie. Welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast, where we explore topics that help educators deepen their connections with children and enhance their social, emotional, and cognitive growth and development. Today, we are talking about supporting positive behavior in the classroom. Now, that's an important topic, right? Our guest, Michelle Galindo, shares three strategies that I know you're going to want to work on, and you can use them right away to help your children develop the types of self-regulation skills that they need to thrive. I know you'll be excited to hear this conversation. All right, let's get started. Today, we are going to be talking about guiding positive behavior. Guiding positive behavior is such a learning process for young children. As their brains are growing and developing, the ability to regulate their own behavior, that's self-regulation, regulate emotions, and also manage impulses. Creating safe, warm, and supportive environments motivate children to learn and practice behaviors when adults are responsive and consistent. As a specialist in early education with six years of experience as a class coach, Michelle Galindo has supported many educators in classrooms with infants, toddlers, and preschool children with positive behavior strategies. Also, she has been a class professor teaching colleges and courses on observation and behavior guidance, especially now with such a high number of children experiencing transitions in their learning environments, there is a strong need for nurturing, intentional, positive, and consistent adults in our learning communities. So welcome, Michelle. It's so wonderful to have you talk with us today. Thank you, Mamie, and thank you so much for this invitation of such a critical and important topic to all of us, really. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, if, if there's one thing on everybody's mind kind of all the time is, is behavior guidance and how to really get that right. And so I would just love to find out, you know, what sparked your passion for behavior guidance? Well, um, thank you for the beautiful introduction, by the way. And um, yes, thinking about what has stood out for me in learning more about behavior, learning more about ways and experiences and interactions to really support positive behavior in in our children. And it started um, when early on in my uh, career as a coach, where I was outside of the classroom, because when you're in the classroom, you're in that mode, in that moment, reflect later. Yes. And so then um, transitioning into more of a supportive professional development support role, uh, visiting so many classrooms, different experiences, children are observed Um, patterns, patterns of teaching styles that were effective. And then um, reflecting on what were some, what are some key interactions, having this knowledge base, teachers having so much training on behavior, what really seems to work? And there's so much valuable information. So when that, I started noticing a need or an urge to kind of it, 
listen to or observe the interactions when there were challenging, I'm gonna quote, challenging behaviors in classrooms. Immediately teachers were coming to me like, oh my gosh, you're my coach. Yes, let me tell you, let's talk about Johnny and his behavior. Oh, and I wanted to validate where teachers were at, but then I started noticing a trend and an interest. So that was as a teacher coach. <laughs> then I had children of my own and I, my first child, well, guess what? Practicing these class strategies and really <laughs> finding ways every day, every moment at home that would support her, the intensity of her rhythm, the intensity of, of a need right now. And so, yes, many would call challenging behaviors. And I really started to reflect on my perspective and, and modifying it as more of um, uh, not really challenging behaviors, but more of what is unsafe and safe or healthy or unhealthy ways mm -hmm. of reaching out to an adult, reaching out to an, to a peer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause it's so, so easy to categorize mm -hmm. like any behavior that's not convenient for you at that moment as challenging behavior. Right. But yes. I love how you kind of pause and rethink that of like, okay, what is safe or unsafe behavior? What's healthy or unhealthy behavior? Because kids have a variety of ways that they express their wants and needs. And it's, it's, it's not all something that needs to be modified, right? Sometimes we yeah. might need to kind of adjust to the child's yeah. way of expressing themselves. Yes. Interesting that you share that when you say we. I try to use that strategy when coaching teachers as we're in this together. What are the prior experiences children have learned about positive ways of communicating, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are their intentions? And it takes time. It takes yeah. self-regulation on our part. Let's right. talk about self-regulation. <laughs> yeah. And can I just say before you get into that is that, you know, we can't control what happens to children before they walk into our classroom. Right. And that's usually where a lot of these behaviors are coming from of the experiences in that day or the morning or the evening. Yeah. Right. And those feelings, those big, big feelings that they don't know how to express with words. So they express them with actions. And I just always like to remind teachers that I work with that, you know, while we can't control what happens to a child outside of our classroom, we have full control over how we respond to the child when they come into our classroom. And like you were saying, our response can calm that child down, can help that child learn how to manage those types of feelings. And it can also help them to self-regulate. So can you explain like, what do you, what do we mean by self-regulation? <laughs> yes. It's a popular word throughout trainings. Very and yeah, very yeah. popular term. And so thinking about self-regulation and the impact as children are growing, learning, um, developing skills, habits for interacting with, with their peers and their surrounding adults, caregivers, etc. Self-regulation really is thinking about the ability to manage your own emotions and behaviors depending on the demands of the situation, of the experience. Right. So temperament comes to my mind, personality, <laughs> right? Temperament, inborn, personality later shaped and developed. And so one child might respond, same situation in that moment, differently. So yeah. therefore, our response as a caregiver 
that's our moment to be intentional. So when I, self-regulation is a set of skills that enables children as they develop and mature to direct their own behavior towards a goal, despite the unpredictability of experiences and their own feelings. This takes time. It's a process. They're developing it. That's what they're yes. doing in, yeah. you know, their, their, their young, very young years is that's part right. of their job, right? It's developing self-regulation. Exactly. So the question is, what do teachers do to help kids be successful in that development? Yes, that is right. And their brains are so, uh, they're in tune with development. Their neural developmental um, stages are so critical in their right. early years. And so what are our responses? How do they look yeah. like? Right. What are consistent responses? Great mm-hmm. reflections as a teacher to grow and be intentional. And I'm going to throw that word out, that term intentional. So valuable yeah. in thinking about positive behavior. Mm-hmm. And what's our responsibility in supporting kids and being able to be successful in developing this? And I might say, you kind of mentioned it earlier about the teacher's responsibility to demonstrate and model that self-regulation, right? So it's, it's, it's all of us that we're all working on our self-regulation, given the <laughs> yes. demands or the challenges of the moment. That's right. I, I agree. And we want to get away from late using a challenging behavior as a label. Yeah. Because Ooh, tell many, us more about that. Because many yeah. times what I've discovered throughout my coaching experiences, I've been about 20 years in the early education field. And what I've found and discovered is that it's it's a collective effort, right? The teacher, the children, not only right. that child that is learning to practice a particular safe and healthy skill, but it's a collective approach, a collaborative approach with families and maybe other specialists involved. And so labeling behavior, challenging is, is if we shift to what are the underlying reasons? What is the practice that the child is yearning for, right? At home, maybe I hit my brother and I get my ball, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So they come to school, guess what? they might try what works for them. Children Mm -hmm. are objective. They're going to get a need and want until we teach otherwise. And that's where our intentionality and our response and awareness and sensitivity comes in like, oh, okay, let's see. I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to label challenging, but maybe a need for practice, a fill in a replacement skill, (laughs) right? It's a replacement skill that this, this child is yearning for. Yeah, I love how you don't even want to label behavior as challenging because what tends to happen is we end up labeling the child as challenging, right? And we never want to do that. That that will impact so many of our future interactions with that child and other children's interactions with that child. So we never want to label a child as as challenging, but once you start to label behavior that that child's exhibiting as as challenging, that's kind of the next thing that happens, right? It just starts to become assumed that that child is the pure result of their behavior. And that's not true. And what you're talking about is really trying to understand where's that behavior coming from, right? And what is this child trying to express without words, because they may not have the words right now, but with their body, with their, with their feelings, what are they trying to express? What is the message I'm trying, you know, I need to be understanding here. And our goals as an educator, 
our goal as an, one of our goals as an educator is to support, guide, practice with children, right? Uh, Guide children's positive behaviors, reinforce those positive behaviors when they happen and expressions of their wants and their needs. Yes. Well, Michelle, how do we do that? Because here's the great thing is I, we can have these awesome conversations, <laughs> but then teachers are like, that was interesting, but how do I do it in my yes, classroom, right? How to. <laughs> how to. So I know that you have three strategies that not only have you um, come up with, but you've been using with a variety of teachers in your, in your coaching work, in your college work. So please, please share with us your three strategies. And by the way, everybody, you don't need to worry about grabbing a pen. We will make sure that these strategies are listed in our, in our notes. So Michelle, take it away. What are they? Yes. Um, thinking about three main strategies. Number one, modeling composure to support self-regulation. What does this mean? So modeling composure, really, it comes down to us as a teacher, as an educator. And so we want to be aware of our emotional triggers. I have emotional triggers that I didn't realize. Yeah. What? T- just to make sure everybody understands, mm-hmm. what do you mean by emotional triggers? So emotional triggers, it might be, for example, let's take a science project and, and, and you're conducing this, you know, wonderful, exciting and boom, you know, uh, I don't know, the, there's the bubbles that come out or a little yeah. explosion of, of, of different slime or, or so forth. Right. And a, a child might scream, but maybe I'm more of a calm and I might say, ooh, that's too loud. Right. But it might be a trigger where I'll be like, oh, that's too loud. I might react. My voice voice might get stronger, a little bit louder, right? Instead of a response. A reaction is based on an impulse. A reaction Mm. is based on an emotion. A response is intentional. I have knowledge about how to respond based on children's needs, developmental needs, big difference, but emotional triggers may differ. For you, you might say screaming, (laughs) I'm expecting that from children, right? Mm -hmm. That that expression of joy, but that the sound might look different. So then our tone, if there's, um, uh, or a child bites another child or hurts another child, right? And my, instead of remaining calm, I might, what happened? My, my body language, my facial expression, because safety naturally comes Uh in, but I may react. So maybe that reaction, a child may be calm and focused. Now I created it. So what are being aware of some emotional triggers and how to maintain composure (laughs) and during moments throughout the day. And so First of all, that self-awareness of emotional Mm -hmm. triggers and managing these Mm -hmm. impulses and emotions to respond versus react. Yeah. And so it might have us start to like reflect on what, when we're reacting without thought and more emotional reactions and when we're responding, right. And what in that moment, maybe we could start to, you know, kind of train ourselves to start a pattern or a habit of just taking a deep breath before we respond, because that might just be enough time to kind of break that trigger, that auto response from our trigger, right? Mm -hmm. To let us think for a moment, take a, take a breath and then be a little bit more intentional about our response instead of auto reacting. You got it. And that was my next step alongside with modeling composure is 
maybe I need to take a deep breath. I'm going to do this in front. Maybe I need to time out. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do this in front of the children and say, oh, Oh, and bottle it. Yes. What am I doing as the adult to remain calm? Because in this moment, children may be triggered because they're one. My response can trigger their response. Yes. Fearful, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Feeling unsafe, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So different strong emotions arise from either an aggressor or the victim, right? The child that bit or the child Mm -hmm. that is um, a bit. So, and they both have valid reasons for their emotions. Emotions are emotions. They're not negative or positive. They're valid. Um, It's the behavior we want to focus on. So modeling Mm. composure is a process for for all of us as adults. And some of us have great composure. (laughs) Some of us, this um, is an area of need. Yes, yes. (laughs) So when we model composure, something happens. We're modeling self-regulation because if we think back, self-regulation is that ability Mm -hmm. to manage our emotions, our behavior, depending on the demands of that situation and experience. Even Mimi, when children are in a conflict, touch, physical yeah. touch, a gentle mm-hmm. yet firm yeah. on the shoulder, on the back, yeah. or a soft, I am here. Yeah. I am here to help. Affirmations. So verbal affirmations with a gentle touch. But if you are touching ch- a child's back and they move away, responding to that, like, oh, it's not the moment. They don't yeah. need touch right now. Maybe right. I'm going to use verbal affirmations. Creating that space allows you to see the child's response and interpret what they're trying to tell you instead of just yes. going in full react yes. mode. Yes, yes. Yeah. So a team effort is very critical. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where we might ask invitations. Of you our might team. need to tap Our-co out of that. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. And this ties in with our next step or next strategy, I would say, not a step, is creating a safe space to release these strong emotions that are so natural. A child might yell um, because uh, of their uh, excitement or yell because they're fearful of either a situation they're in or they observe an unsafe situation or experience, Mm -hmm. right? Or someone just took their toy. They took their toy. They're playing with it and someone just took it, right? So what's the response? What are the safe spaces that we intentionally as teachers may create? Even think about us as adults. When we're feeling a strong emotion, we tend to, I don't know, go to the bathroom, find a a, a space that we could just Mm -hmm. decompose. Rethink, reflect. Go for a walk, man. Go for a walk. Look at the Mm -hmm. window, nature. But we can manage that. Children need that. Right. We get those choices. How do we give kids the choices? Yes. So creating a space that's not overstimulated, Mm -hmm. but a space Uh that's soft, a space where maybe they can see themselves with a mirror, pictures Mm -hmm. of their families, soft things, objects, materials where they can rip tissue paper and release this energy when they're feeling these strong emotions maybe towels that they can twist as they're releasing these emotions safely and letting them know i am here i am here and i Mm -hmm. want to help you 
that check-in of letting them know, you know, the theme of this is I will be here for you. And it's okay to have our feelings, but we need to learn to express them in a way that's safe. Right. And, and I'm here for you and I will help support you. And we're all learning. Yeah. But I think, again, it just goes back to that modeling is so important because not only does that provide children with the safety of a teacher who's consistently calm and understanding, but then also it's, you know, everybody, everybody, no matter what your age is, we learn more from what people do than what they say. Exactly. And lastly, like you mentioned, it's so important to acknowledge, validate the feelings that are involved in this situation, in this experience. As we're validating children's feelings, yes, you're angry because he took your toy and you were playing with it, or you you worked so hard on your train and Johnny stepped on it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. It helped, it makes you feel angry. Acknowledging goes a long way. What happens is that in their little brains, this narrating helps this understanding of, yes, that's how I feel. <laughs> they feel understood. And stating the boundary, either for the child that stepped on the train, right? Narrating a child's actions and feelings. Um, Alex took away your blue truck while you were using it, and he didn't ask for a turn, right? Setting the boundary might look like, Alex, you took the truck without asking Sarah. She feels upset asking for the toy, like, can I please use it? Let's Alex know that you want to use it. And it takes practice. Taking turns takes practice and remembering Mm -hmm. we're going to practice together. So this process Mm -hmm. of setting the boundary for both, Mm -hmm. repeating it and repeating the emotions involved and letting children know we're learning, we're practicing. I'm here yeah. to help you learn and practicing. And I love how you're incorporating that practice because in the moment, they're, they're too upset, right? When, they, when, our, when we're kind of taken over by emotions, that's not the time to practice and have this you no. know, intellectual conversation. Mm-mm. That's the time to go to that safe space and, and get calm. Exactly. But then and when we're calm, in those calm moments, um, really helping teachers to think about having their children practice these steps. Yes. So it becomes a little bit more um, automatic for them, right? Yes. They've already experienced it. And then they can maybe just need a reminder next time before they get too upset. Yes. Yes. And, you know, teachers use visual reminders. Yeah, that's true. Children mm-hmm. are very pictorial. They're, they're visual learners. And that is a great strategy. Um, hand signals, maybe. The idea is that children feel connected to the adults, feel safe, trusted. And how do we develop this? It's through the way we respond to children consistently. Yeah. Right. Consistently respond versus the reaction that may come from that emotional trigger we were talking about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that's our goal, being responsive and nurturing, consistent and intentional around children to support positive behaviors and reinforce these behaviors by acknowledging when they are, Johnny, you shared, that was hard, but you did it. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, and it goes along with validating those Mm -hmm. positive behaviors. So Michelle, thank you so much for explaining these three amazing strategies and having it all organized for us. And I'm just wondering, like for our listeners, what would you want them to be taking away from the conversation about the three strategies? Yes, I would say even what's been helpful for me is being aware of our own 
processes for responding yeah. to children's emotions, needs, wants, and behaviors. That composure, modeling. And uh, another is also the words that we share when we're modeling. Uh, yeah. as we're acknowledging these feelings or stating the boundary. Uh, so children feel supported. So children feel this is a safe and trusting environment where I can express myself regardless of the experience. Yes, Mamie, thank you so much for this opportunity to reflect with a large community of educators striving for effective interactions with our young, youngest learners. That is definitely what we are here to support every, every week when we come with our podcast. And so thank you so much, Michelle, for, for joining us today. We've really enjoyed the conversation. And if you're interested in continuing this conversation with other educators, I'd encourage you to join our class learning community. You can share or learn more strategies with thousands of educators around the world. The link to join us is in the show notes available on your listening platform. Also in the show notes, um, we will be sure to link a few really helpful blog posts on this topic that I hope you will check out. So thank you again, everybody, for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. But until then, be humble, be teachable, and always keep learning.